All right. Welcome back. It's Beard Banter, episode 11. I find myself today in back-to-back-to-back-to-backs until I get on a plane and head to go speak somewhere tomorrow. Uh, apparently, passionate security guys are all the rage these days. Um, today, I actually have a distinct pleasure of having Luis with me. Um, he is a, a friend, uh, a colleague, and, and really, I'll be honest, he's probably one of the first people that inspired me to believe I could go speak about the things I'm passionate about. Um, we had a really cool, I think I came on his, his first Luis coffee cup morning, uh, and, uh, and it was really a cool experience. It was the beginning of pandemic. It was when I was starting to flirt with uh, becoming a personality and driving security as an educator, as opposed to just um, actually doing it on a day-to-day basis. And so, Luis, uh, that's my introduction, but I'd love for you to, to give an intro and kind of uh, tell people who you are. Well, Matt, let's get something clear. Uh, you've always been a personality. Uh, you didn't just find it during the <laughs> pandemic. Touche. Touche. <laughs> well, th- thanks for, for having me. It's always a pleasure when we get to, to hang out and chat a little bit about MSPs, about the industry, about what's going on. And I think um, articulating our own thoughts about these things can often be yeah. helpful to, to you know, form an opinion, grab, get a sense of where it is we want to go and what we want to do. And I find it super helpful just as I you know, mature in the different aspects of my life, whether it's, you know, being an MSP or being at a vendor, all these things play a yeah. role sort of intrinsically. We're going to touch on that yeah. difference because that that one's been tough for me. Um, so we'll get back to it. But yeah, yeah. I'll put a pin in that. Uh, and hey, Miguel, somebody's saying hi there. Um, and so, uh, but thank you, Matt. You know, yeah, back at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I, I launched this thing when I was back at Enable called Cafe Con Luis. And I thought, who could I bring as my first guest? And you and I had sat on the PAX 8 Advisory Council for a few months at this point. Um, I'd spent basically three words oh, trying to get you got to that. see the private side of Matt punching vendors. That's right. That's, that that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I know this is why I, I heart you is because I, I know the real Matt. Uh, but basically, that was three months of my life that I spent trying to get a word in since you were on the advisory council, too. <laughs> True story. True story. Anyways, uh, I, I kid. I kid. It, it was a good time. I think it was super insightful to see a vendor like Pax say really making an effort to listen to the community and try and do the things that the MSPs are saying yeah. needs to be done. And so that was really cool. Um, and, you know, now I'm at ScalePad. Um, ScalePad is uh, previously known as Warranty Master, and it's a company I've been a customer of since, like, 2015. And, uh, oh, there's Ashley. And, um, I heart Ashley. All right. And there's just so much, so much good work to do. I think, you know, having that um, duality of being an MSP and being at a vendor, uh, I think, gives me a slightly different perspective, which is really cool to try and apply well, every day, uh, uh, you know, with the work that we do. You know, I have this theory, right? So any market, anything, if I go make widgets, I'm going to make crappy widgets. They might be better than the other widgets someone might imagine, but they're still not going to be to the maturity level in an emerging market until the consumer is a mature consumer, right? And I think one of the challenges you have is that the MSPs in general have been non-mature consumers in general of, of a lot of these services and a lot of these vendors. And so these vendors were only called to rise to the next product request. They weren't called to rise to the next security mm. challenge or risk or PII exposure or blah, blah, blah. They weren't called to that. And so I, I don't hold it against vendors not having some of these things because you do what the market dictates. But that being said, coming from an MSP and bringing the DNA of understanding of where we've matured and understanding of what we need and bringing that in this like 
insider person in an organization, I think has been a really uh, interesting thing for me yeah. in the last year, right? Like that, that's been, uh, I get to bring insight. Um, you know, I get to finally be the smart guy in the room. It's sometimes about MSPs. It's interesting, but, uh, and yeah. I've been on a few advisory councils, you know, Pax8 was, was one of them. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing to see the dynamic of the different folks from MSPs that are there and the kind of feedback they are giving, um, and the kind of things that they're asking for, you know, sometimes the conversation goes into very petty feature requests, you know, oh, this thing annoys me or, Hey, oh. this is, this is the vision of something that I think we're going to have a problem with in the next three years. And sometimes you see the vendors start to spin their wheels and be like, okay, you know, actually, let's talk about that for a second. They want to know more and they want to dig in. And so that, that part is really cool when you see vendors um, sort of get into the vision of, of a long-term sort of infinite-mindedness type of approach to doing business, right? I didn't think we were going to drift here yet. But like <laughs> I, I sat on 26 different advisory councils, yeah. right? The reason I did that, and this was when I was at a former MSP, was anyone we spent a million dollars with, I wanted to vote so that if we're turning these big old boats, we're trying to drive them down this canal, we don't turn into this one turning sideways in the middle of Suez and backing up you know, toilet paper for 13 years, right? So like in reality, we, we knew we couldn't turn quickly and that I needed to be talking to these vendors about three years. I needed to be talking to these vendors about two years out. What's my hopes and dreams? Where am I changing? What am I needing from you? Um, and I think what it allows is those boats to float in the same direction, right? Yeah. Um, but that said, when I uh, this became a large part of why I chose to go to Pax Eight, but when I was second time, and I won't talk about the first time because uh, you and I know that one quite intimately. <laughs> but when I was really looking at leaving and, and going to a vendor, um, and it was it was definitely going to happen, and it was somewhat out of my control. Um, I say that with a grain of salt. It was a, it was a choice. But when I when I did, you can tell I'm a little mixed about it. But when I left, I judged the companies that I was looking at based on their advisory council and how they engaged with that, right? Because I put everybody on a scale, not a scale pad. That one only happens for certain awesome companies. But I, I put everybody on a scale and from, from one to, to 10. And on a one, it was essentially, they just wanted to bring me in, par parade around, talk to me about the great things and have me smile and nod and move on. They didn't want to hear from me. I was there to be seen. Um, and then on a 10, it was like, let's roll up our sleeves with the, the CEOs of companies and let's change the world. Let's start making operational decisions have executive support. Let's start, right? And and I didn't have any tens, but like Pax was an eight point five, like accidentally an eight point five. Like it was just Burton's vision and a couple other people just kind of said, let's bring all these people together. And then you and I got to sit there and go, no, SSO is important. Yes, we need to drive towards these things that are secure. Yes, we need to understand your security posture. Yes, we like, but they listened and they did. And so for me, when I chose where I was going to go, I was looking for plasticity, right? I was looking for something that I could mold. Um, yeah, anyways, sorry, side tangent. No, but, no, uh, I, I think it's a valuable exercise to sort of uh, do the, the retro, right? And, uh, and think of, you know, how your decisions were influenced before versus now. Because I think this is part of the evolution that we were talking about just before we went live is yeah. I think MSPs are evolving a bunch in the last few years. Um, they're, they're becoming very smart. Also, the customer is evolving a bunch. You know, back in NerdioCon a few weeks ago, Jay McBain did a really interesting keynote where he just dropped a lot of data. And one of the data points he gave was um, the average global MSP size is eight people. And so I just couldn't help but wonder, holy moly, eight people, there's a lot of problems that you're trying to solve at the size of eight people from, you know, operational things to finance to sales. Oh. To, like most MSPs haven't hired a salesperson at eight people. Yeah, we had alone, 170, at, right? right? I mean, you know, so. And so my, my point is that I think um, it, it has always been difficult for a, 
a group or um, you know, a cohort of, of people like MSPs at its size of eight to evolve at a faster pace. Uh, but yeah. obviously now some of the challenges in the industry are kind of pulling us there, the cybersecurity stuff. Um, but also I think, uh, and I, this is not just because of where I am now, but I've always felt that experience is driving a lot of that too. You know, customers are getting more savvy. Um, yep. The influence of tech in the regular verticals like the manufacturing. The customers are also turning into the ones that will research it and will look. 100%. They're younger. They're starting to be our generations that would go, I'll go, I'll figure it out. I've got Google. I can dig into this. And yeah, to well, add to your points. I, I always have a laugh about this because, um, you know, you see on LinkedIn, the big tech companies with the welcome packages for their new starters and new starters yeah. are always posting, you know, their, their brand new yeah. MacBook, yeah. you know, unbox kind of thing on yeah, their yeah. first day. And when was the last time as an MSP that one of your MSP clients did that for one of your employees? Oh. And I, I couldn't think of any, yeah. any time, like never. Uh, yeah. And so the experience is, is uh, so lost between this, the fast growth tech and sort of the run of the mill, you know, small business, right? But it's changing though. And, and here's what I mean by that. Like I, I use, so I actually have a thought for the mega MSPs right now. I've been predicting this for the last almost three years, maybe four, that we're heading towards a cliff, which just makes me wrong until it happens, right? Like it's like, maybe it's just luck, <laughs> but we're heading towards this cliff that everything's getting easier. I can write a script and control your experience. If you were Azure Active Directory bound or on just Google and you had a very native, complete use of that and you extended it into applications right through uh, SAML or OIDC or OAuth, and you just had this unified experience, the click on this to sign in with Facebook experience. I'm sorry for using sure. Facebook security people, but the, that way. And, and when you start thinking about that, the, the first three customers I took through that fired me. They said there was no value anymore. You're, everything works. We don't have challenges. Like we don't have the same tickets, and you're not providing enough well, strategic there, value. There it is. There it is. And this is yeah. this is the evolution, right? We're moving from this like a productivity focused IT of just making sure an app got installed and can launch to like an experience based and outcome based. Yeah, the laptop you know, on my experience. desk with a pretty bow, and when I open it up, <laughs> I don't have to wait for hours for it to provision. It already did that because as soon as it had internet, it did that without me signing in. And like yeah. you could imagine this this. And I think you you kind of triggered me on this like. Luis, like, you know, that experience, that feeling, that kind of like fast tech startup, which I happen to be working at, and they're fantastic, right? Um, and you too. So, right, you have that. But couldn't we be the ones as MSPs, when we when we make this transition that are delivering security, we will, it'll, easy, it'll be easier at scale, I believe. We're delivering security, but we're really taking people and saying, you have a hockey stick and you have pads and you have skates and they got a hockey stick and they got pads and they got skates. I'm going to coach you to a win where they cannot. Same player strengths. I mean, right when you get in those upper levels, they're all the same pretty much. Now it's about coaching and bringing people together as a team and letting you use those hockey sticks better than your competitor. And like that's what we're heading towards. Technology so one of the, is ubiquitous. One of the questions I, I posited, just as I bring up my phone here, uh, when I posted about our event earlier this week was, are we returning to our consulting roots? And this is a question that's been really sort of rummaging in my mind over the last little while because, again, we're moving away from that uh, productivity-focused IT to really trying to help customers figure out how to take 
technology and actually leverage it and how to turn old processes into digital processes and so on. Um, how to and, and automate the human aspects and traditional whole, administrative aspects. Those all just become scripts 100%. and checking and see if the script's working. Like that's, but, yeah. but it's also, you know, I think there's an evolution in the kind of conversations MSPs are having with customers, obviously trying to bring them to the table and, and make sure they understand yeah. what their risk is. Like all these things are, are things that are, are still catching a lot of MSPs by surprise. Again, average size of MSP is eight. So the challenge remains in that you have a lot of fires that you're, you know, putting out most of the time. Uh, yeah. And a lot of eight-person MSPs are still very reactive. And so the it, challenge, obviously, is getting in front of that. And we, and we, we, we will get to Q1 conversation. Like, we, we will. <laughs> We're going to break this into what have we seen this quarter. But I, I want to, you know, go one more tangent in the sense that if I was uh, starting an MSP tomorrow, which I'm legally, contractually, in many, many, many ways not ever going to do. Um, <laughs> but if I was uh, starting an MSP tomorrow... Or if I was an eight-person MSP, because I started when it was a seven-person MSP. I've been there. I mean, it was in 2011, but I started when it was. And, and so I watched those changes and, and the failures and what worked yesterday doesn't work anymore. But if I was starting one, I would pick Goldilocks clients, clients that are high SaaS. Know, they just have their Active Directory for Active Directory. They don't actually know why they have it or need it. They, they have um, no real need for traditional drive letter expansibility. They, they pretty much have no more line of business applications inside their walls. Right. And if you were to take that client and convert them to some pure identity source, whether it was Okta, maybe it's a little tongue-in-cheek today. Um, but, you know, I just want people listening later. This is the middle of the time when Okta just said yesterday they had no risk. And today said they had 100 companies probably compromised. Anyways, I digress. But, you know, if you have some identity management space and extend that into SaaS, the experience will be literally, I just sign in and stuff works and security policies come on and my Chrome browser goes, hey, Matt, you got to reboot. Sorry, bro. We're kicking you out. And all those policies become endemic. They're just part of the system. And the next client, I run one script and their tenant looks the same. And if there's things that I, I know, thank you, Miguel, 100%, right? Like, I know, bro. I did it for a purpose. Um, but yeah, so... Um, I feel like we're going to become commoditized. Bob Coppage calls it Bob's Law, right? And Bob's Law is that every year, I know. I'm I just using, hung out with Bob at CompTIA last week in Chicago. So, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm using it. I, I asked him for, for a physical license. But um, Bob's Law is that 5% of everything we do is commoditized every year. And we're many years into being MSPs. We're at 60% commoditization. The things that we call efficiency gains are called table stakes today, yeah. right? And, and so we're, we're having to transition, to your point, to a consultative role. We're going to go make you better. I'm going to be an educator. I may have training teams. Yeah. I don't have to hire the same technical resources. If it's all Office 365 and if it's all Salesforce, I hire people to talk about business and facilitators. Yeah. And, and train yeah. people and, and show, them, show them the way. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the way. Uh, anyways, but yeah, so I, I, I think that you could take those clients and Goldilocks them in and create a unified experience, improve the onboarding every time. But most of that onboarding is probably a script. Go look at what Roost is doing. Go look at what some of your stuff that you guys are doing. Like you can make things become so automatable in the ways we manage an asset being dropped on a desk and, and how that turns into that experience with the bow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we would help with. Because, you know, I, I had this, I've said this in many conversations before, but we had this marketing person. She was brilliant. She had just gotten her master's degree in marketing. She actually was just full of fire and, 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 and just intelligent. And, um, and she was really kind of put aback by a experience she had. And I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, I was in this internship, you know, last semester of college, and it was just horrible. The technology was terrible. I said, well, what was bad about it? She said, well, I, 
I had this VPN thing and then I had to map this V drive and it wasn't always working and I couldn't. And it dawned on me, she had been on Google apps when she was in high school and middle school. She had been on Microsoft products all through college and through her, her intern. Born in the cloud. Yeah. yeah. And so she was put off and, and like literally would hate to go work there. She said this because she would hate the technology. Versus my Apple that just always worked since Angry Birds was installed. It just worked, I, I, right? Like, like and you get into that world where technology is becoming that. Microsoft yeah. products can do that right now. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, it's funny that uh, as I think back to that first Cafe Con Luis I did with you, which was about autopilot and Microsoft deployment practices and stuff like that, it it awoke a bunch of people that had you know been wondering about technology like that, but maybe still sort of you know um, beating around the bush a little bit because holy moly, there's just this really interesting challenge that MSPs are are just you know need to adopt new things and learn new things. Um, and uh, this came us uh, came at us really fast. Oh, there's Ray. What's up, my brother? Yeah. Um, uh, so <laughs> I think he might be being tongue in cheek, but potentially not. The uh, they found a, you know API keys embedded in in, in stuff in the chat and Slack, I, and then now they're saying warning it's potentially hundreds of companies are getting notifications about potential things from that, that yeah. threat act. So, but yeah, it's interesting. And I don't mean to beat them up. I, I actually do love Okta. They have a very good response to this in my opinion, but, um, but yeah, anyways, sorry, not, not to get so, on that. First quarter. No, no. So, so Q, Q1, Q1, <laughs> yeah. uh, taking stock, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's age or, or whatever, but I feel like Q1 just kind of, it just passed me by. And, um, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing these interesting, um, practices from MSPs, you know, we, we ended up uh, having a lot of interviews at Scalepad with, with partners yeah. because we did a, a master class earlier in the year. We're doing another one uh, nice. in a couple months. And one of the things that came up is how busy MSPs were at the beginning of the year. And so, we're, we, you know, QBR season is the best way I can describe it. Um, and so a lot of the strategy that MSPs are deploying with clients is kind of front loaded at the beginning of the year. Sure. Um, and in North at America- At least the momentum, right? Like at least that first kick. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the thing that's interesting that we're exploring is like, why is this strategy uh, not more continuous? Because one of the challenges with things like cybersecurity is like, cybersecurity is not going to wait till your next <laughs> QBR for you to do something yeah. about it. Uh, and there's a number of those risks, obviously, that have that same challenge. And so we're trying to sort of help a little bit of create a little momentum for MSPs to move that strategy into a more recurring type of conversation. My friend Matthew Booksband, uh, MSP owner out of Orlando, he actually calls him one, he does monthly one on ones with clients. Uh, and they're more about sort of really the business outcomes, the strategy, the stuff that the client wants to be able to achieve through technology. Whereas the majority of SPs come at the clients once a year to try and sell them, you know, a bunch of yeah. stuff, hardware that's uh, all. We need to meet. Why? Your contract's out of alignment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's tough. It's a, you know, people, MSPs have to overcome a bit, a bit of that, you know, muscle memory of doing it that way because that's what we were used to doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think, you know, before when OSs got updated every three years or four years and major line of business apps got updated every three or four years, this was a conversation that was okay to have every once in a while that way. But now with like yearly updates, every half year updates to Windows feature and, and uh, Mac OS and stuff like that, it's just not well, possible. You have to just be moving all the time. And the CVE load and the time of exposure, things that are changing. Yeah. And, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's massive. I mean, and it was, it's funny. There's a data is beautiful um, 
uh, illustration of this uh, kind of this what we're seeing. I'm going I'm to use in a speech later this uh, in April, early April. Um, but uh, essentially, it just kind of starts out. If you look at 04, the dots are are very small and far apart, and then in, in 08, you start seeing more dots, and these dots represent millions of records lost, right? And they don't touch, and they're far apart. And as you continue moving up the screen, it's thousands and thousands of dots, mm. and they all are just amazing. And the density, the density of this, you know, A sub G, right? The acceleration of the acceleration, right? This, this, this uh, you know, non, nonlinear acceleration. We're seeing this growth in that acceleration of the risk and the loss and the understanding and the public perception and all these things. And so what that drove last quarter, I think, and maybe even early on in the year um, and throughout the pandemic in some degree, but it's really this 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 nascent demand from customers to understand security. You, you also have insurance that started back in June of last year that kind of started really driving that needle, right? The traveler's shot that was fired around the world. Um, you know, it created, if everybody wasn't aware, you know, I think back in June or so is when traveler's insurance kicked out their document that included, do you have MFA on every switch, <laughs> right? Um, and so it just got like, whoa, how do I answer this? The answer is no, I have dumb switches. I don't even know. But it's this struggle. And so, so I, I say all that to say throughout the end of last year, there was this waking presence. And so you have this kind of demand factor that started building. And, and a lot of MSPs have been asking the question. It's the only reason that I seem to have a full calendar every day. But, you know, you start getting into this world where they're trying to understand it. And so then you have recent conferences that have popped up that, that are super educational, almost no sales, 100%. Here's all the stuff you need to know. Because if you just sit down and read the CIS Top 18 and really think about it, I do a nine-week class that I teach this. But if you really just sat down and read them, you'd realize the breadth of what you need to solve to really change security is so much wider than anything you'd ever imagined, right? It, it's, it's down to the process from an administrative perspective. It's the technical. It's the supply it really chain. Is. It's massive. And so there's these questions, you know, that are arising of how do I solve it? And um, what I'll say that I've seen in Q1 is MSPs are going through this, this kind of renaissance of understanding that they are going to have to change. Whether they mm. like it or not, whether they're going to try to figure this out, if you touch the data, the risk is yours, right? And, and, and it's, yeah. Anyways, I've, I've been excited about this quarter. I feel like we're hitting some critical mass. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything, every single point you mentioned just now, in addition to perhaps the idea also that um, a lot of these things seem like big mountains to move. Um, and, I, you know, again, MSP average size is eight. And I think the yeah. challenge of that is that it may seem like a, just a big project to tackle, and where do I start? And it's just impossible. But you know, we have an expression about um, at Scalepad about how, you know how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. <laughs> yeah. And, and and this is one of those things. Cybersecurity is just you have to start somewhere, and you have to start with the things that are obviously uh, easy to implement, and the stuff that is maybe going to cause a problem for customers, like MFA on their you know cloud productivity software, because. They've, oh, that sounds inconvenient. It's like, well, that's, I'm afraid, just not a good excuse anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, and just moving that needle. You well, know, and I, you're painting that, that, that if you were writing a story about a protagonist, you're painting that gradual incline to their capabilities, right? Like, you're starting to see that MSPs could just say no. I'm going to turn on MFA. Well, I don't like it. I'm, I'm afraid this is part of what we're going to do to secure you. My CPA doesn't just fill out my 1040 in the U.S. here by throwing darts. She has an amazing level of what she's doing in professionalism. Yeah, so she's like, well, Matt looks like taxes got big this year. Why, man, I was drunk when I threw that dart. No, but the, the problem is that we're making this gradual increase as MSPs to this understanding that there always has been a need for a certain level of professionalism. And I don't mean that in a diminutive capacitance because I've 
been there. I started at a company. I had no idea what I was doing. I faked it till I made it. I grew. I learned. I failed. I made an MSP. And, and like I'm, I'm saying all that to say, if you look at the growth from 2004 to 2011 in the MSP industry, you have the Gary Pekas of the world rising up. You have the driving of true methods. You have SLI. You have all these things that were so insurmountable that became uh, mountable? Mm. <laughs> Question mark. Uh, right? And so just to your point, eat the elephant one bite at a time. And as you start thinking about security, you know, there, the, there was this MSP that came up to me and he's like, I, I, I want to quit being an MSP after going to this conference. And I said, why? So well, I can sell it. I can make money right now. I can just be done. He said, I, I, I just don't know that I ever want to climb this. And so it was funny. I, I did my work to try to just explain exactly what you're saying is that the job is to start where you are, write policies along some framework, start improving those, think about how you can make them broader and deeper, right? And expand on that administratively and technically over time and get better that's it start where you are and get better and and he texted me the next week on on t or on uh, linkedin um and, and he was like hey I, you talked me off a ledge last week that's <laughs> said, great yeah. hey one msp ninety three thousand to go uh, yeah. i think yeah. i think i think again one of the challenges is as we've evolved this um practice of managed it uh, I think we are getting, you, you called it the Goldilocks clients. You, you're getting more specific about the type of clients that you want to work with. But I think also MSPs are becoming more demanding of, of their existing clients or just not willing to take on sort of that eternal um, multifaceted approach to doing, oh, well, you know, these break fix clients. I'll be everything for, to everybody. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ev you know, be a hero to everybody is just not possible. I still remember this, this interview I had with um, Paul Dipple. He's just so insightful every time I chat with him. But one I didn't of the things mean to leave Paul out, by the way, earlier in my list. No, you did. You did mention SLA. Which yeah, yeah, is Paul, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, he's always so insightful. One of the things he talks about is this idea of like you know uh, one uh, the the uh, one meal plan or uh, the one plan deal um, because the the problem with MSPs is that it's easy to slide back into old habits. So if you have a lot of complexity in how you deliver IT, you know. Gold, silver, bronze, dirt. He gives this interesting example of multiple types of plans that MSP is like, oh, well, this customer just needs this. No problem. We'll create a plan to do that. That's really difficult to operationalize and support and maintain down the line. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So this is one area where I think managed services is, is evolving. I think MSPs are starting to realize that that commoditization is going to become a problem for them earlier than they expected. And then finally turning around and be like, well, no, we, we need to operationalize a fully supported plan because, hey, Customer, when you have a problem, you're going to come back to us and we're responsible. You, you, you said it, Matt. If we touch the data, we're responsible. And we just don't want that kind of risk. In addition yep. to that, like we can't get you know, our insurance renewed this year if, if uh, we're not putting MFA on everything, if we're not helping every customer be secure. And, <laughs> and they may not realize it yet, but they may yeah. not even get a cyber insurance writer. Or, or uh, worse, yeah. they get it approved by checking the boxes. There's no methodology to check. But they the, get a claim duty of care. and they don't pay it. And, or they do pay it and they sue the insurance company, sues for subrogation to the real cause, which is the person that misfilled out the form that would have caused them to have denied the the, claim, the initial policy. So, yeah, absolutely, that, that risk is the real risk. I mean, yeah. we haven't seen a lot of it play out in court fully, but it's happening. Um, so... Well, because yeah. those are all settlements that happen outside of court. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, so I agree. So we also talked about this. Um, I, I asked the question, have we cracked the cybersecurity nut? And I feel like there's still a long way to go here because, you know, cybersecurity is just this constantly evolving thing. 
Um, and even if you went to every single conference, I feel like a lot of people just can't keep up. But yeah. there are there are practices, right? Pract baseline practices that I think we still have a long way to go to to see everybody doing. Um, and you know, where, where do you think you see a lot of MSPs? You're at a vendor that sells security products. What are you seeing in terms of whether MSPs are finally starting to realize, you know, the challenge with cybersecurity and and finally implementing some of these things with their clients? Yeah. We're way past the realization stage. I think if you're an MSP just now realizing this, you're probably behind <clears throat> for sure. But I do believe that we're at this maturation phase of some of this, right, where we're starting to see some early players pull ahead. I mean, I was just on with a massive MSP today on a call first thing this morning, um, you know, talking about how do they build the rest of their security practice? Do they separate it as a separate entity? Do they bring it in as a, do they, right? And so the, the maturity scale is growing really quickly. Um, I think what we'll see to your point is people will start realizing that doctors at some point had to realize there's a body of knowledge I need to use, standardized, we're going to use it the same way, I'm going to saw off a leg this way, right? I'm going to cauterize it that way. Um, and so you start getting in a situation where, you know, we as MSPs are starting to go, okay, frameworks. And, and if I had said frameworks two years ago, people would have, would have dropped. Like, they, I was over. But now if I say, okay, CIS... It's a, it's a, it's mine. It's my shtick right now that I, I, I big believe in because it's pragmatic. It says, okay, have an EDR, an advanced any malware that's capable of these things, and make sure it's centrally managed, and you can manage it with this kind of, great, 10.1, 10, 10.2, done, checked. Okay, take away admin rights. Oh, shoot. My uh, users aren't going to be happy about that. Is the first yeah. thing you'll hear everybody and, say. But those are the things that that only cost labor and education and yeah. and hearts and minds. They don't cost money. And so there's this realization from MSPs that there are things they can do that are not actual new SKUs or costs or this. But <clears throat> a lot of times SKUs exist for that. Go look at the meteoric rise of of ThreatLocker or somebody that helps enable take away admin rights, like an auto elevate to not be exclusive. Right? When you start seeing those things getting used to solve the challenge of how do I support it but also deal with this and people go yeah yeah but I can beat that product and I can get past it and I can get rid of the yep but it's another layer it's another piece of being able to prove that I'm doing yeah. the things that are prescriptive and even better I as an MSP don't have to make that up now I can go read the CIS top, top 18 apply it how I think it applies and then review it twice a year and see how I can change and be better Right? And how can I make this policy that used to be identify control one that says know your enterprise assets how can I find a way to know more about my enterprise assets? How can I figure out what, and that's when I find what vendors help me solve these particular things, but I'm not making up what those things are. A lot of MSPs are lost because they think they have to make this all up. Nope. Yep. Very prescriptive control sets out there. And I think that is this, that's the critical mass. People being able to talk about things in a common language is a very early critical mass of any maturing kind of um, yeah. industry, I suppose. You know, I, I find a lot of MSPs also forget that they can pilot things with small groups of people at clients. And um, and yeah. it's, another, it's, it's another opportunity to bring back the client again to your side of the table, sit down with them. He's like, hey, let's partner on this. We got to solve this problem together. Let's pilot this with five staff members and almost no client would ever put up a fight to do a small pilot to see what what something is going to feel like or or change their yeah. processes or procedures or productivity. I, like I, I uh, had this one magical client. I'm going to breakfast with him next Wednesday. He's still a friend of mine, and everything in his mind about being secure, he was willing to chase. He's in the aircraft manufacturing industry, and you know he was somewhat incentivized. But he was the guy that if I said, "Hey, David." 
can I do this? I might really suck at this, but I'm going to try hard. He was the partner and he, he was my friend, uh, right? And so, I mean, yeah. it was one of those where, where if you, you know, I'm just excited by your point is, is my, my I thought there, right? That you're, you're, you're right. You can find that partner that'll help you build your practice. Because uh, again, you know, the thing that happens is you come at the client once every year during QBR season, be like, hey, we need to do the MFA. Oh, well, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're busy at the beginning of the year. And so next, okay, we'll talk about it the next QBR. Well, quarterly business review, which happens a year later. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I couldn't schedule and the client didn't call back. And I, yeah, 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 yeah. And so now there's no pilot. There's no initiative. There's no change. There's no maturing of the environment. There's no cybersecurity reduction or risk reduction. And a year later, you find yourself in the same exact spot as you were today or, or this Q1. So I think one of the, the things I would encourage MSPs to think about is find a way to help your clients move forward with even a small pilot. I, you know, it's yeah. just such a revelation that pilots can Make them can feel help. like they're on the same side of the table as you, yeah. right? Like that, exactly. uh, whatever that art of negotiation, um, gentlemen. But, you know, if you, if you bring them in as a partner and say, hey, listen, you heard about this cybersecurity stuff? <laughs> Be humble and transparent. We as yeah. MSPs aren't natively doing so much of this because there's a lot more than any of us ever realized was there. And some of it needs your partnership, True. right? And, and, and I would say, hey, partner, listen, I, I need your help. When, I, when we make decisions together about security, I need you to back them inside your organization, right? When your sales guy pushes back and says, I'll quit if you keep making me not have administrative rights. I like to play my games. You're going to have to say, well, that might be a decision you have to make. Um, and, and that's hard. And you yeah. usually lose that in that executive side. But I do believe that sitting on the same side of the table with these partners and explaining and growing the practice of how do we become more secure helps build their defensibility, right? The, the client of our MSPs, because now they're doing things to iterate their own technical challenges, their own line of business application challenges, right? How many apps have we installed, Luis, where, oh, we need everything, all admin rights. Every person needs admin rights to these folders in our EMR. Wow. That sounds like a stupid idea. And yet we lived with that every day. And, and yeah. Ugh. I, I've heard you use that word in the past, defensibility. I think it's an important one because uh, we're getting to that stage where, you know, if the client is not along, coming along, hey, Eric, uh, for the ride and doing the things that you really need them to do, not even for your own sake, it's for their sake. That's the yeah. part that's interesting that they don't realize. It's like, I'm trying to help me help you uh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> And, uh, but I think it, it comes down to that defensibility. You need to be able to say to an auditor from an insurance company that's about to sue you otherwise, um, that, hey, we actually did all these things. The yeah. duty of care Here's is- the stuffs we talked about. Yeah, 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 exactly. What's funny is, you know, I used to, I still have the saying, I suppose I'm not dead yet, but, right? Like you can't lead a horse to water, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. True. But you can drown him, so you don't have to drag his carcass down the road for the next four hours as he's dying either, <laughs> right? So like, maybe that's a little too heavy-handed, I suppose. But um, wow, yeah. I, I hope we're not finishing on that note, uh, Matt. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. No, but uh, Eric Pinto, hey, welcome, brother. Uh, popped in. You know, love that you highlight these changes aren't necessarily expensive. Yeah, I think that's the way I would sit it down. It's like when my financial advisor sits down with me, and when I was a financial advisor. You, you see those little, like, stupid Hallmark pictures where there's two of them sitting at the table and the guy's got his arm over the shoulder and he's pointing out the, you know, it's that true partnership, if you will, right? A little bit hyperbolized. But, you know, when you think about it, if we sat down with a control family, I, I say CIS, that's mine. There's NIST, CSF, there's tons of them. But if you picked one that was pragmatic, that was easy to explain to your people, you put it down in pretty graphics and explained what you were doing and kind of summarized it from an executive perspective. If you were to do those things and sit down and coach them on that, 
there's probably 30 or 40 things that are that are tactical and administrative that will protect and build their ability yeah. to be blast resistant, right? Um, that, that don't cost anything. But if you're doing that, you're now just like my financial advisor going, Matt, we need to move this much position into this. I need you to commit to cutting back on this. I need you to add that. Like that's strategic, tactical things that take my business forward. We're becoming a consultant. We're becoming- 100%. 100%. <laughs> and this is, this is the thing is like customers want to be led down the path. And I think a lot of MSPs, you know, we come from technical backgrounds. We want to just do the fun technical stuff. And, and we have to overcome this challenge of, of the personal, our own personal growth of helping be consultative and leading people down the, the path to the, you know, to the water, uh, so to speak. And so Being I- their competitive advantage, right? Yes, Driving yeah. the experience. I love that. You know, you, you talk about this, well, what if I could explain to you how forms allows you to interact with your clients this way, and now you can, right? So you start getting into, right? You start getting into this, I'm actually impacting your client's experience. Yeah. As a customer, as your technologist, as your as your strategist around security, as your strategist around Te privacy. Technologist, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love that word, technologist. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I, I agree, hundred percent. That is exactly the 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 secret key. Um, but it takes uh, it's a habitual thing. You have to become uh, accustomed to doing it and just always sort of being on top of it. Um, I missed that last comment. Who was saying hello? Or it was Harry uh, Cusick saying uh, threat locker stops that. I'm not sure what point he was making earlier about it, or if he was being tongue in cheek. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, at least a comment. I mean, any number of things stop any other number of things. I, I think the story. point is, yeah, the the challenge is really the the habitual behavior, getting into um, the conversations in a more regular, uh, continual basis. Uh, yeah. I think there's so many things that, like Eric said, do not have a cost that you can start doing now. Uh, yep. And again, to not think of it like a big mountain you have to move for 50 of your clients all at the same time yeah. by ne the end of next Individual week. consulting engagements or individual consulting <laughs> engagements, right? Like they, 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 they yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that, you know, we're in an industry that I think drives us into that uh, pattern of thinking. Yeah, think we close because, tickets. We close yeah. Tickets, right? But, but also really, like, yeah. you know, a lot of vendors talk about standardization and one of the challenges is when you want to do something new, the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, I, how am I going to deploy this to all right 50 or 100 clients yeah. all at the same time? It just becomes this big mountain to You move. get shiny object syndrome, you have 15 yeah. bills yeah. you pay you don't use. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what do you think um, is, what do you think MSPs are, are planning for the next, uh, for the rest of the year? What do you think is going to become the important little object um, or shiny object for the rest of the year? Well, I think you hit the, I think you actually hit the nail on the head on like what gets planned in Q1 kind of is the momentum for Q2, 3, and 4. Um, so I would say, and that's logical, right? So, you know, but anyway, so, but yeah, um, I think that, that everyone has started a mission to figure out what they need to do to deal with security. I, I do believe that's the actual Q1 momentum that I'm feeling from people. I don't think everybody's in the same stage, right? Again, to your point, there's right now MSPs that have 400 employees and there's MSPs that have that have eight and seven and the average is seven, yeah. which means the long tail piece of that, if I was looking at this as a statistical you know, uh, gram, then I would have most of them over here and, and all trying to figure that out. And so I think what you'll see is Companies meeting the MSPs from an education perspective where they are, kind of to your masterclass conversations we had earlier, right? And, and a lot of MSPs really just getting a plan. And throughout the rest of the year, I think they'll knock out things that they can knock out, whether it's across the board in, in the traditional methodologies that we would think of, 
or or whether like a lot of people said, hey, listen, I'm rolling out line guard across the board. Why? Well, I want endpoint visibility, and I want to be able. No MSP would have answered that before. Like no MSP would have said it so that I can have the these controls and I can add in this kind of like that level of maturity that comes to even make the statement that way. And I'm not trying to be diminutive. It, it, it tells me that those people will now ask the right questions again and again until they iterate and become yeah. where they need to be. So that's what I meant by a renaissance. That's what I meant by, you know, kind of this critical mass is I think enough people next to enough people are saying the same things and asking the same questions um, that you, you kind of get to that point where in any movement, um, it starts with a couple of idiots screaming, right? I've been one of those idiots screaming for a little while. But as you start seeing the reality of that change, it becomes normalized. Yeah. And the screaming people become talking people, and the talking people become driving action and moving forward. And so I, I think we're at that stage. So MSPs will roll out taking away admin rights and wrestle with that. MSPs will roll out with how do I validate a client. MSPs will roll out things that are those easy, low-hanging fruits that, if I'm honest, really reduce their risk, right? If you're an MSP and I go look at LinkedIn and see who you have on LinkedIn, and I just go do a little bit of research, I'm probably going to be within... 10 or 15 calls from different phone numbers, able to get an admin password to a client. Probably. I would put that as yeah. a very high Just from the social engineering, yeah. Yeah. But what if you had something that required a push? That goes from a 10% chance, right, to something like 2% chance. And so we'll see people take these small pieces of risk reduction as MSPs understand the risk, which is what I think is yeah. really happening. The MSPs are going, holy crap, I understand my risk. Yeah, to Todd Kane's point, like normalization of, of controls is stronger than ever. This, this is kind of my point of this mass, right? This level of doctors are now doctors. I go to one doctor. I don't have this giant fear that that doctor kills me compared to that doctor. Like, I know there's some existence of that, but it's fairly normalized. The level of what we're providing is normalized. Same thing with attorneys. There's some shitty attorneys, but they all have some level of a bar. But I'm... You know, you know, something that is interesting to me, I think that MSPs can think about is some of the levers to achieve other things. And, and some of them are unexpected. Case in point, um, I have this um, wonderful client. I've, we have had them for 14 years. And one of the things that uh, has been hard with them is, you know, doing things like turning on MFA because um, th it's always been a small office. They always thought, oh, this sounds really inconvenient. Uh, and one of the things we offered them was to do security awareness training. And we, we include that as part of the managed services agreements. And in the, the training, you're telling them if you don't have MFA, yeah. you're dumber than dumb. And, like, I mean, not and, like in and, and so and I said, hey, and this is super convenient because whenever you have new people joining, uh, we put them in the group, they automatically get the invite, they go through training. And it's something that you can show to your insurance vendors down the line, be like, yeah, we're doing security awareness training with our stuff. Well, what happened within a few weeks of them doing the first round of training? By the way, that's the control 14, stuff. I believe, on yeah. CIS. Anyway, sorry. But, <laughs> but they came back to me, be like, hey, so we, we learned about MFA during the security awareness training. I'm like, no, you learned about MFA from me 10 years ago, but you've just been not listening. But anyways, so this was we super do interesting. We have to drop the ability to say those words. We just think them in our hearts. We don't say them to the clients, right? Like, <laughs> well, that, that, that's what I thought in hindsight, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, I, I was super excited. I was like, yes, of course, you know, we'll help you turn this on. And it was a super simple exercise. And once people realized how easy it was, they'll say, oh, I'm you know, surprised we didn't do this before. It's like, but then that's when I realized, oh shit, we should have just done a pilot. If we had done a pilot with one or two people and they saw how easy it was, they would have been the champions of that inside of the organization. But, and but so, conversely, what's cool is like when I was at an MSP and, and, and we started, because I, I think I was an early adopter of understanding the security risks. For a lot of reasons, I was in, I was in a, a, a 800-171 world, I, right? So I, I felt like I got forced into that. I had some loss. There were some, some threat actors that were working in that space at that time as well. But like, 
I literally just said, hey, your email's not backed up. I'm turning on email backup. It's going to cost you three bucks. Have a nice day. Let me know if you want to opt out. Nobody opted out. And I, I think in that one swoop, I understood we were the problem. Like, I, I really understood that it was us not standing firm and giving educated reasons and giving business reasons to drive something forward. Like us. I point that finger at me. Like, I was the problem. I was just talking about this yesterday, Matt. Also, hi, Todd. Uh, good to see you pop up on the, yeah, on the I love chat Todd. there. Um, we have this problem that we do. We uh, try to apply our own value system onto our clients. And th the mentality of the majority of like technical first MSPs is that we are a hero trying to save the client money or that oh, you don't right. need to spend, you don't need to spend money on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think the challenge that, that becomes really obvious uh, after a few years in the business is that you can't help your customers, you know, move forward in any of these initiatives when all they're doing is, you know, finding them the, the lowest possible cost for any solution that doesn't really solve the problem. It just sort of delays the opportunity to improve and that cost particular And cost in business controller. should be a thought. We should be conscious of those things. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100% is that we, you know, oftentimes we have a 5% MSP or 8% MSP that works with a 100% client. And the value system of an 8% shop is not the same value system or risk system than a 100% shop. And so we, we tend to apply these very different models to our clients that are much bigger than us. And we don't help them see, you know, the forest for the trees. Uh, that's really one of the eye-opening things that I, I feel like MSPs could be more focused on. And that continues downstream as well. Like the vendors, I think, um, have maybe the opposite approach in some cases where they try to send the their big scaling thinking down to the 8% MSP and they, they don't understand it or they the pricing models don't work or the, the way they charge or they, they don't yeah. think about how MSPs do business. Um, who is this? Uh, LinkedIn user? Random I don't person? know. I have to look at it separately because it's appeared, it's on one of yours. But we do need to close out. I do have to be conscientious of time, and I have an airplane to get on here in a little while. So, um, but but I, you know, amazing that that nobody solved this problem from from our LinkedIn user um, with over four thousand cybersecurity vendors too. I'll make the same statement though. Like surgical death happens, and has only recently started getting much 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 better over the last twenty years. And a lot of that was checklists and admin procedures and things, not the fact that there were four thousand uh, scalpel manufacturers. Yeah. I think it's a lot more about the surgeon than the scalpel. Not. Get, don't get me wrong, I, you're right, those security vendors need to exist, we need them. But the maturity and the maturation of the surgeon is what's what we're seeing here in the MSP in Q1. Yeah, I really no, believe no. that. I, I know I'm an optimist, but I do believe what I'm seeing is, is, is very good evidence of that. So. My final thought there is that I, I'm really enjoying seeing uh, the vendors come to the table to the, to the enablement piece of those surgeons. Like, it's not just the MSPs figuring it out, obviously. So It was Julian with the uh, comment from LinkedIn. All right. Hey, Julian, thanks for chopping <clears throat> for jumping in. All right, Matt. All right. Well, hey, I'll, we awesome to up. see you. Let's, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you do the sign off. Thanks everybody for joining. Thank you for being at Beard Banter. Um, we'll have this. Uh, please subscribe on YouTube. And, and obviously, if you're following this on a, on a podcast, which I recently learned people are, um, is fantastic. So please uh, also subscribe to that. So thank you, Luis. Um, you are on the list of us having to do this in a long form again sometime. So <laughs> see you, my Thank friend. you, Matt. Always good to see you.